It is so cool just to look out and watching all y'all headbanging and bobbing and air guitar into that song. I'm just telling you, we're two weeks in, and it's amazing every time, every, every one of our venues that I've been to. So, hey, my name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team. want to welcome you at any of our locations all throughout Northwest Georgia and the Tennessee Valley. We're one church in multiple locations and multiple languages, and also want to welcome the Cleveland Church and uh, soon to be our, our sixth campus. We are so glad uh, that you're here, that you've chosen to share uh, your, a part of your weekend with us. We're going to land today in the Gospel of John, that's New Testament, back half of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 13. Turn your Bible on or open your Bible up, or you'll be welcome to follow along with me on the screen in, uh, in just a minute. So we started this series called More Than a Feeling, and really our commitment last week was, hey, we would all agree we need to get love right. Uh, the world would agree we need to get love right. A lot of people think if we would just choose love, not hate, whatever, however we define love, that that would be a, a big step in the right direction. And so we worked on that last week because we said, hey, if we're going to get love right, we can't assume we're right. We need to go to the one who is right, which is Jesus, and how he articulated and demonstrated and defined love. So our commitment, again, is let's be committed to get love right. So today we're going to get real practical, and we're going to talk about kind of how this shows up in your day-to-day. -day. Uh, you go to work, you come home, interact with your wife, your kids, your, your husband, uh, your small group, you walk into church services. However you bump into people, however you relate and interact with people, this one will be very, very practical, I hope and pray, and I hope God will do a work uh, in, in us during this. So let's imagine that we all are holding a coffee mug, and I don't know if you can see this on the camera, this says today, okay? And, and so we're walking around with this coffee mug, and, and, and so what happens is, is you relate to someone, and, and, and let's just count that interaction as a bump, right? That you get bumped, and something comes out of you, right? Something comes out of you, and, and what we're hoping would come out of us is love, okay? But inevitably, what comes out of us is whatever is most powerful and dominant in us today. All right, so I'll give you my world, okay? So I come home, from work or whatever, whatever I've been doing all day, whether that's studying, praying, counseling, uh, meeting with staff to lead our church forward, whatever my day looks like, you know, community meetings, stuff like that. And I come home and, and I'm tired and maybe I'm stressed and, you know, I, I'm an introvert, so I have about 7,000 words to speak and I've spoke 6,999 of them. So when Beth says, hey, how are you? I'm like, fine. And she gets nothing else for that day, right? And so we have an interaction, and so she doesn't get love from me. What she gets is my schedule, okay? She gets my schedule. So some of you, you know, you bump into people, and, and you want it to be love. You want your kids to get love, and what they get is the wound that you got when you were a kid, your, your fear, your insecurity, your pain. Uh, you know, maybe your, your dad loved you in a broken way, and that's what's, that's what's most dominant in you today. So when, you know, you have a love interaction, what spills out of you is woundedness or fear or insecurity. Or, or you know, what spills out of you today is, hey, I'm in a great mood, so it's easy now to love because of what's dominant in me today is, man, I just, I got that love and feeling. And, and so really, it's whatever's weightiest in you today. That's what your kids get, your wife gets, your church gets, your city gets, your neighbor, neighborhood gets. And, and that's why we're trying to say we got to get past that. And, and so our love in that situation is really just a reaction to what's, what the weight we're feeling is today. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you stressed? Is your schedule tight? Are, are, are you living in the past? Are you living in woundedness? And, and so you get bumped, and, and that's what they get. 
They, they, they get your stress. They get your schedule. They, they, they get your past. They get your, the mood you're in in that moment. And so we need a better maybe pattern. We need a better, more, something more powerful than today if we're going to love right today. Because what the people in your life, what they get is how you are today. That's what they get. The quality of your marriage the, is the cumulative effect of your todays, is it not? The quality of your small group experience is the cumulative effect of the days that you gather and you meet together. Same for your church, same for your coworkers. The, the effect is whatever's coming out of you today. Today plus today plus today plus today equals whether we're loving or not. So maybe there's a better pattern. So that's where we go. John's Gospel, chapter 13. And we'll see from Jesus, who, who we were, were saying is the author and perfecter of, of faith and love. So here we go. So this is John 13, 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come. This is a common phrase in the Gospel of John. Basically, it means he's going to the cross. So this particular day that Jesus is interacting with his disciples, he has the cross in mind. So that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. So we're <coughs> pre-Easter heading into that, but Jesus has his death and resurrection in mind. And then, though, he wants to love people. So here's what he says. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So John, in his organization under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, hey, Jesus has the cross in mind and love in his heart that he wants to give and that he wants to demonstrate. So let, let's just stop. Here's Jesus' today. He's thinking about the cross, which is the clearest demonstration of love and the best definition of love that we'll get to in just a second. So he's thinking about the cross, and he is really thinking about how can I love my disciples today, knowing that my physical time with them is about to come to an end, so how can I give them love? That's Jesus' paradigm for today. You know, my paradigm is how busy I am, what's the weather like, what kind of, how am I feeling this morning, did I get enough sleep, what do I have to do, right? Jesus has a different paradigm, and we're going to try to learn from his paradigm. So then, the connection that we need to see in verse 1 is this. There is a clear connection between the cross, which is in Jesus' mind. We saw that here. And love. So there's a clear connection between the cross and what I'm going to call true love. Uh, what I'm going to call true love, there's this connection. That the cross is somehow connected to this perfect love, this true love, that I think we, God wants us to love as he has loved us. And that's what we see in 1 John three sixteen, where it says this. This is how we have come to know love. So, so well, how do we define love? It's more than a feeling. Uh, what is love? He laid down his life for us. So on this day that he's going to interact with his disciples, he's thinking of how can I demonstrate love, cross-shaped love. How can I lay down and show my disciples how truly how much I love them? And then the other thing we see about Jesus, just in this verse, is this. He is constantly seeking an opportunity or an occasion to do love, to demonstrate love. You know, love's spelled D-O. Love's a verb. You don't fall into love. You do love. We think love's a noun. Love's a verb. So Jesus, on this day, is thinking about, hey, when I interact with my disciples, when we rub shoulders, when we exchange words, when we have a, a, an experience together, what he wants to come out of himself is L-O-V-E, which is going to look like he's going to D-O something. He's going to do something that's sort of in the shape of the cross. All right? Now, just, just think about your day. 
Think about my day. How often do we wake up and say, God, give me an opportunity to do love? God, God on this day, what, my, what I want from my kids, man, is just to, I just want to, I want them to get my love. I, I can tell you, tonight, I, I'm going to want them to get to bed, not get my love, all right? You can go ahead and pray for me now, right? Okay, but, but I'm just saying, look at Jesus' paradigm. He's thinking about the cross, limited time. He said, today I want, to, I want an opportunity to do love, to give them my love. So already we're saying, man, there's something about Jesus and his quality and his capacity to love that we can learn from. So the, the story continues. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Now, now look what John has done. He has shown us that what Jesus wants to do is to love the people in his life, in this coming, in, in, in this experience, in this interaction that we're about to get to. And then he throws Judas in the mix. I mean, Judas is kind of a betrayer. I mean, how, how do you love Judas? And, and so, John, you go from, hey, I want to love, but I got Judas in my life. And it's sort of like this. In verse 2, we see that, hey, the cross is in Jesus' mind, and the cross is the clearest demonstration of love, but Judas is in the room, you know? And you felt that tension too. God, you want me to love him? God, you want me to love her? God, you want me to love those people in my life? And and it's really easy for us here in church, we're kind of antiseptic environment, right? To talk about love, to sing about love, to be amazed by Jesus' love, to say God is love. And then God puts you in the room with Judas and he's like, all right, do love now. But what's in Jesus' mind? What's in this today? He wants to do love. He wants to do love. Now, here's, what, here's how this would impact me as a broken person and a broken lover who's trying to learn to love like God who loved me perfectly. Here's how this would impact me. If I've got a Judas in my life, a difficult person, a difficult situation, uh, Judas takes more weight in my today than my desire to do love. And, and Judas almost gives me an excuse, doesn't he, not to do love. So, so this tension between, I'm, try, I'm hoping that through the Holy Spirit, this tension is, hey, we want to put the cross in mind, but we all recognize that we're in a broken world, we're in a fallen world, and there's Judas in the room, so what do we do now? Well, how does it look now? How do we D.O. love now? What does true love look like now? Because it just got real, didn't it? It just got real When we start saying, hey, it's one thing to talk about love. It's one thing to sing about love. It's one thing to talk about, hey, we want to get better at love. And we want to feel the love. And it's another thing to say, go do love and have Judas in the room with you. This got real, right? That's why I love the Bible. Because it is about real world, real life stuff. But it gives us a better way. So, he goes to verse 3. And he talks about who Jesus is. And look what's in Jesus' mind. It says, Jesus knew, or knowing this, that, that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. Now, why does he put that in there? I mean, we're talking about how are you going to love Judas? John, get to the point. What's going on? I mean, it's almost like he's, he's belaboring a point, and he's not getting to the climactic scene. He's like, the action scene is on delay. Why is this so important that we talk about the mentality, the mindset of Jesus? Because in this verse, we see the key to something. 
In this verse, we see that Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows where he's going. In this verse, we see that Jesus has a perfect relationship with his Father in heaven. So Jesus is not trying to prove anything. Jesus is not trying to keep anything. Jesus is not trying to give anything. In other words, this verse tells me that Jesus is free to love, irregardless of whether it's Judas or not. Because the most important thing about Jesus is he knows he belongs to the Father. And he knows he's going back to the Father. So, so listen, one of the reasons we don't love, one of the reasons we, we get, it's hard for us to love, is we go through life believing we have someone to impress, something to lose, and we need to get something else going for us. Jesus went through life with nothing to lose, no one to impress, and something to give, which was love. Uh, imagine right now, imagine right now, if you woke up every day, Here we go. Got your mug. Got our mugs today. And every day, you were so secure in your relationship with God. You so understood the future grace and the future inheritance that you have coming from God. You lived knowing that you were perfectly loved by God. You would not go through your day trying to get. You would not go through your day in reaction mode. You would live with the joy and the pleasure and the hope and the anticipation that I have nothing to lose because I have everything in Christ. I have no one to impress because I have the perfect acceptance of my my Father in heaven, all I have is something to give, which is the love that God has put in my heart. It's a different way to wake up and do today. It's a different way for us to go home this afternoon or tonight and speak and interact with our families, our kids. It's a different way to go to work tomorrow that I have nothing to lose, no one to impress, something to give. Because, why? Because Jesus... Is free to love because he knows who he is. He knows what he has. He has a sure and certain hope. One of my favorite uh, sayings about an individual named Jonathan Edwards is this. His happiness was out of reach of his enemies. See, one of the reasons we can't love perfectly and we can't love better is because our happiness is so fragile. Our identity is so fragile. Our purpose is so fragile. And we'd see a different pattern from Jesus. The reason he can lay his life down, the reason he can D.O. what he's about to D.O. in the next couple of verses, because he has nothing to lose. He has no one to impress. He just has something to give, which is love. So knowing these things about himself, that's a participle in the Greek. It's a cause. So what is this knowing this about himself? What does it cause Jesus to do? Here's what it causes him to do. So he got up from supper. This is God getting up from supper. Just keep this in mind. This is not just a man. This is uh, the eternal God. This is the one who was present in Genesis 1. This is the king of kings, the almighty God. So he got up from supper He laid aside his outer clothing. He took a towel and tied it around himself. And next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. So culturally, you would come into someone's house, and again, we're talking sandals, right, and dusty roads, no concrete, and, and it was just kind of the polite thing to do. You know, we might offer, hey, can I take your coat and put it aside? Can I get you something to drink? Uh, usually a servant in the house, not the homeowner, would say, hey, would you like my servant to wash your feet? 
And so apparently in this interaction, no one had taken care of that menial and somewhat humiliating task. I mean, when you're dealing with feet, it's kind of gross, right? And so the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the eternal one, the immortal one, the all-powerful one, gets up because he knows who he is, nothing to lose, no one to impress, not worried about humiliation, not worried about, oh, this is beneath me. He gets down and he takes his part of his gear, his clothing off, and he washes people's feet. And he's found the occasion on this day, on his today, because what he's trying to do is love. Even with Judas in the room, he washes Judas's feet. And this occasion, this day, he's loving. And this is, how he, this is the opportunity that he sees to best demonstrate his kind of love. So, so listen, imagine this, okay? If you are free from trying to impress people, it's not impressive to get down in your underwear and wash somebody's nasty feet. But if, if you're free from trying to impress people because you know you're eternally accepted, you're a step closer to being free to love. So many of us won't give costly love because we're trying to look good, aren't we? Trying to appear a certain way. Not the Son of God. Not the King of Kings. So, so he's eternally accepted so he can love. Listen. He can love his disciples not for their acceptance, but from the acceptance Jesus has from his Father. See, a lot of us, you know what we're trying to do in relationships? We're trying to get accepted. We're trying to be accepted. So we're always a little bit hesitant. We're always a little bit fearful. We're always a little bit insecure because we need this acceptance. When we have eternal acceptance, which you, can only, you can't find that in an earthly marriage. You can't find that in an earthly pal. You can only find that at the cross. You can only find that from Jesus. But if I have eternal acceptance, I'm not looking at you to accept me. Now I'm free to give you something, which in Jesus' case is love. Now, it, it, let's take it a step further. If I'm free from trying to get or gain something out of our relationship, I mean, foot, foot washing is, I, I'm not trying to get any, I'm trying to give you something. I'm trying to bless you. But if I'm free from trying to get or gain because I've been eternally satisfied by God's love, God's grace, God's hope, God's acceptance to me, then, then what, how do I look at you? I don't look at you as a commodity. I don't look at you as, hey, fill my cup today. Give me something today. I've got something to give you today. Some D-O-L-O-V-E. And that's a totally different paradigm, isn't it? But that's why Jesus knew who he was. He had nothing to lose, no one to oppress. He goes around looking today, who, how can I love? I need an opportunity to love. That was the dominant thing going on in Jesus Christ's heart. Take it another step. He's not trying to be in control. I mean, he, he takes the position of a servant. If I'm not trying to control people because I am already gripped and controlled by God's grace, I am loving you from something. I'm not loving you to control. I'm not trying to manipulate. I am just freely giving something because I'm gripped by the grace of God. Isn't that powerful? And that's what the Son of God, that's what the Lord of Lords, that's what the one who, was, who walked on water, who was resurrected from the dead, who sits on an eternal throne, that's what he did on one particular two-day outside around Jerusalem with the cross in mind and the cross ahead of him. That's how he spent his day. And that's the one we supposedly follow and learn how to D-O, how to do love. That's who we follow. Now, what do we do, though? Jesus is out here looking for an opportunity to demonstrate love. What we do is we try to do love in what I'll call reaction mode. 
And reaction mode is we have our cup here, and we, what people get is they get a reaction from us. And, and the reaction that is whatever's most dominant in us. I'm reacting because I, I, I'm mad about my day. Uh, what you get is how I feel, whatever's most dominant. And, and Jesus is looking to di- give a demonstration of love. We're trying to, we're just reactive. And listen, as long as you believe love is, re- is a reaction, like I just don't feel it today. You ever said that? I'm just too busy today. I'm too distracted today. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like washing anybody's feet today or doing anything. I mean, as long as we put love in the context of reacting to the most dominant emotion or thought or mindset or attitude that's going on inside of us today, as long as we do that, you, you suddenly think you don't think reactions mean I don't have a choice. I have to do this. Reactions mean you have an excuse and it feels valid. But what Jesus walks through this earth trying to do is demonstrate love on every today that he has with his people, on every today that he has with his disciples. It'll culminate on a cross. But what Jesus is trying to do is demonstrate love. And if ever our love is in reaction mode, we're no, long, we're no longer choosing love. We're just reacting to the dominant flavor mood of the day. It's like flavor of the month club or something. Hey, what kind of mood are you in today? Because that's what's coming out of you no matter what. What kind of day did you have? What, what are you feeling today? What are you worried about? That's what I'm going to get. And, and, and when people bump you, what comes out of you is just a reaction of that dominant mindset or emotion. What comes out of Jesus is a demonstration of love. And so you go to the kind of the end of this chapter, and then Jesus gives this command. He goes, I want to give you a new command. I want you to love one another. And the whole world's saying, yeah, that's just love, love, love. But he says, no, 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 I want just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. How, how do we know if we're a Christian? How do we know if we're born again? How do we know if we're saved? Jesus says, if you love one another as I've loved you. That's what he says. Now, here's a beautiful thing that's going on in this amazing story. You and I cannot love the way Jesus commands us to love, unless we have first been loved by him. Unless we've first been loved by him. And this is why, if we're going to get love right, we got to get the gospel right. That Jesus died in our place, that Jesus rose from the dead, that he paid our sin debt. So, so listen, listen to me. You don't have marriage problems. You have gospel problems. You don't need a solution to your marriage problem. There's a gospel solution to your marriage problem. That until we understand, receive, and then reciprocate the love that we have been given in Christ, from Christ, in the gospel, we'll never get love right. Now look at this, though. This is so powerful. Look at what we have in the gospel. When you say yes to Christ, when you understand what God has done for you, when he died in your place for your sins, paid your debt, absorbed the wrath of God, when you understand that he, he did all that for you to have you back into his family, look at what happens, okay? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. So suddenly, I am not walking around here trying to get something from you today. If I have every spiritual blessing in the heavens today, I can walk around with something to give you today. It's a paradigm shift because of how we've been satisfied and blessed in the gospel from Jesus. It goes on, he says this, in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ, 
We have been made one with Jesus. We're one with Christ. Now look at the, he goes, even before he made the world, he loved us and he chose us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless without fault in his eyes. So, so I don't need you to complete me. I don't need you to accept me because I have been accepted eternally and forever by God. And he says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. He paid the legal fees. He paid all the costs to bring you and I into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. If you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, and you, and you bask and you go deep in this and understand this, it is virtually impossible for you not to have an amazing marriage or for you, and it's two-way street, but it's virtually impossible for our marriages, our churches, our anything to be derailed because we can't get love right because we've shown, we are so loved by God. And that love has so gripped us that we walk around today and, and we are full of the love of God for us in the gospel. And that's what our kids get. That's what our wives get. That's what our coworkers get. That's what our small group members get. That's what our church people get. And that's why it all starts with the gospel. You will never graduate from the gospel. You have to wake up every day and remind yourself, I have every spiritual blessing. I have been adopted. I've been chosen. I've been loved. It gave God great pleasure to give me that eternal acceptance. So I don't need to be accepted on social media. I don't need your out of boys or out of girls. I just give you what God has given me. So when you get that, it looks like this. What Jesus has done, D-O-N-E, must drive how we D-O, how we do love. What Jesus has done must drive how we do love, must drive what we're doing with our 80 years or 90 years or 100 years or how many years of today's. And, and, and if we get this right more days than not, I'm not going to bat a thousand, if we get this right more days than not in our marriages, in our parenting, in our jobs, in our communities, in our church, and how we love one another, how we love the stranger, how we love our neighbor, how we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we get this right, waking up every day, soaking in what Jesus has done for us so that we can go out and D.O. love to whoever we bump into. Wow. That's world changing. That's life changing. That's amazing. Because, you know, it's like, it starts to look like this, right? When I, when I am so, when I so understand what Jesus has done for me on the cross, when people bump into me, that's what they get. That kind of love. The foot washing love. The sacrificial love. Boom. And Jesus comes out. That's what they get. But the, the beautiful thing is this. Maybe the great analogy of this is Jesus took the cross for us so none of us has to face the wrath of God none of us has to pay our sin debt none of us has to pay the adoption fee to become part of the family of God you can't be good enough uh, you don't, you, you don't, none of that God loves you and, and it's unconditional it's freely given so Jesus took the cross And then he gives us a towel. John 13. 
and he gives us a towel. And he says, I want you to go and be a foot washer. I want you to go be a foot washer. Now, here's the deal. If you're a Christ follower, okay, and your towel always looks like this, meaning it's not roughed up, got a little dirt on it, something's missing. Something's off. Because Jesus didn't just save you to forgive you. Jesus doesn't just save you to give you a get out of hell free. He saves us to do something. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ, new person, new family, so we can do the good things. He planned for us long ago. So he gives us a towel and he says, hey, look, go wash some feet. Go do love. Today. And the next today. And the next today. And the next today. Go do love. Now, listen, I, I want us to understand something that, that I'm seeing. You know, we had a kind of an amazing record response to people responding to the gospel and coming back to church on Easter. Kind of, you know, so uh, we know attendance spikes, but we gave people just an opportunity to respond. And, and, and I, you know, as I've been having some conversations with people who said, hey, I just, you know, need to talk. God's doing something in my life. I just want to give you a refrain that I've heard, okay? And, and, and some of the folks have, have been coming to Rockbridge for a while. And, and coming and by coming, I mean coming to a weekend service. Some have, have you know, come for the first time. Some have, uh, you know, off and on. And, and kind of everybody comes at Easter. Here's a refrain that I've heard. I, I need something more than just coming on the weekend. I, I need something more than just coming and sitting you need to come and sit under the Word of God. You need to come and sing and worship uh, next to brothers and sisters in Christ. All that's biblical. God's grace flows through those channels, okay? That's why I said don't give up the habit of meeting together. But, but so many people, I've just heard it. Hey, I just need something more. I just need something more than sitting for an hour or so a week. Now listen, if you're a Christian and that's going off in you, let me tell you why that's there. Because God has put his love in you, and there's always going to be something unsettling in you unless his love is coming out of you. Do the good things he planned for you to do long ago. So there's always going to be a void in your relationship with Jesus unless you are loving, D-O loving, today, taking your towel, being willing to get it dirty, and give back. And give as God and love as God in Christ has loved you. So if you're a Christ follower and you're a one hour a week sort of deal and you got a nice, neat, clean towel, there's going to be a void. I just tell you that. I love you and that's why it's there. Because God put his spirit and God put his love in you and that love is not stagnant. It's not a dead sea love. It's a river. It's got to go somewhere. Okay? Now, listen. If you're not a Christ follower... And you're sort of living kind of selfish-ish. You know, and that's all you know. That's all we know before Jesus is just take care of number one, right? But eventually, though, yourself won't satisfy you. And there'll be an itch. Or, or yourself will shipwreck you. And there'll be a crisis. 
And you're like, man, I got to do something different with my life. And that's how it comes in. I got to do something different with my life. Well, first, you have to have something done to you. You have to be loved like this. That's Jesus in your place. That's Jesus paying for your adoption. That's Jesus absorbing the wrath of God that you deserve. That's Jesus in your place. And when that love hits your heart, and you say yes, God takes the cross and he gives you a towel and says, hey, no more living for self. Go live by the Holy Spirit and get dirty. So listen, at Rockbridge, we don't want anybody to miss the good things that God's planned long ago. So after every service, there's connect. You can get in a small group a Bible study, and love one another, and learn to love God together. Christianity never meant to be a solo thing. You can find a ministry team, and you can start washing feet, whether that's nursery or teenagers or hope ministry. Just go have a conversation. Just see about a connection. But, you know, in, in three months, if your t- towel is still nice and neat and folded up over here on the side and it's not got any dirt on it, We're missing it. There will be something missing. Because God planned for us to do good things, loving things, long ago. And you have an opportunity today to connect to that. Okay? Now, let me give you thoughts on how to D.O. love. All right? The final thoughts. Because you got to do this in your... You're not just church. This is family. This is marriage. This is job. This is neighborhood. So how do we do love? All right? The final thought that Jesus gives, he unpacks what he did, this foot washing. Here's what he says. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he kind of redresses. He reclined himself and said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You've washed our feet? What does that mean? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Do what I've done for you. For I have given you an example that you should also D-O, love, do, just as I have D-O-N-E done for you. Love as I have loved you. He says, truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master. I'm your master. If that's how I D-O love, you D-O love the same way. And a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. So let me give you a couple of thoughts on how to do this kind of love. Something always has to be laid aside. Jesus laid aside his outer garment because he knew he was going to get dirty. Something has to be laid aside. You, to, to D.O. love this way, you might have to lay aside your pride. You might have to lay aside your busyness and reallocate some time to your kids, to your family, to your church. It's just the reality of it. You may have to lay aside some something that you're carrying. You may have to, hey, I've got a wound in me, and, and I need to get God's grace to touch it. I haven't dealt with it. It happened when I was 18. It happened when I was a little kid, and, and, and i, I got to address that. I'm going to have to deal with the woundedness. I don't want to be a product of my past. I want to be a product of the cross. Now, listen, when you do this, it's going to feel like a loss or a cost, And there's going to be a temptation for you to say, love shouldn't be this hard. That's a lie. So you attack the unbelief. 
You attack the unbelief. You tell yourself, I have everything in Christ, every spiritual blessing. I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm loved. You attack the unbelief. You attack it. And be willing to lay something aside. Number two, you got to surrender to the right master and the best master. Here's something that's true of every person, Christian, non-Christian, that I'm talking to. Something true of me. All of us are a servant of someone or something. You're every single, you're, you serve money, you serve your, you know, your career, you serve your kids, you, you, you serve culture, you, you serve your approval addict, or you serve your fear, you serve your insecurity. All of us are mastered by something. That's just the way God designed us. But he only wants us to be master or be a servant or be, a master, be mastered by him. So one of the wisest decisions, best decisions you ever made is to choose the right master. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm your master. Make sure you're mastered by King Jesus. And then the third thing is this. Get the towel dirty. Get the towel dirty. Today. 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 Let us pray. Jesus, you are our master. Some people right now need to surrender to you. They need a new master. They need a true savior. They need a Lord. And I pray they say yes to you. God, all of us today need to be reminded of how much you love us, what you did for us on the cross. All of us today need to be refreshed in that love. And God, I thank you that you took the cross. But God, as I, as I grow in my faith, I'm learning to thank you for the towel, for the privilege of seeking opportunities to love others as you have loved me. God, I pray that, that everyone here today, I pray that Rockbridge Community Church would be a dirty towel church, a dirty towel people. God, I pray for some marriages today. They have a bunch of nice and neat, nicely folded, crisp and clean towels. God, I pray for some husbands to take that towel and get dirty and love their wives as Christ has loved the church. Pray for some wives, God, to take that towel and love their husbands. God, I just pray you do a revolution inside of us right now. I pray we would learn to embrace that love is more than a feeling, that love is not just a reaction to how I am today, Love is a demonstration of what you've done in our hearts with Christ in our place on the cross, with an empty tomb, with payments made and adoptions guaranteed. So we are your sons and we are your daughters, and you've given us a towel. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.